nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Times ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to an LDA Después Monday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. We are joined a day after Real Madrid draw Real Sociedad nil-nil at the Bernabeu, a game which we did thoroughly discuss and break down on last night's podcast. So check that if you haven't already. But we like to do this segment with refreshed perspectives, uh, a chance to sleep on some of the emotion from the game and then come back with a more reflected, uh, I guess, a more calculated and logical take, if you will. So we're going to break down last night's game with a fresh look. Lucas Navarrete is here, and uh, this is the first time he's talking about the game on the podcast. So maybe his his look will be a bit more emotional. I'm not sure. So welcome to the show, Lucas. How you feeling? How you doing on this Monday? What's up? Hey, Guillen. Thanks for having me as always. And I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Just uh, a bit too bad that the, that the team couldn't capitalize on on the on a good performance last night but it is what it is so we need to move on already we have the schedule for the Copa del Rey semi-final set against Barcelona well not the schedule because the date of the game hasn't been set but we we already have a few more games to to look up on uh, for the next few weeks yeah that I I, I never really know when these draws are it just kind of hits me when I wake up like oh Ray I'm just <laughs> drew this team or that team there are sometimes I'll remember I'll put it on my schedule I really want to the thing is I hate draws and even mm-hmm. apparently this little Copa del Rey draw was also very very hard to watch and very drawn out and longer than it needs to be just give us the results bang bang I'm more likely to tune in if it's a five or ten minute draw but Ray I'm just drew Barcelona that's now three more classicals we have this season, and that's it. There's it's we can't have more than three because they're not in the Champions League and we're not in the Europa League. So it's three. We're gonna top it there, and it's not quite four and eighteen days from the Mourinho Pep era, but it's a lot in, I think, less than a one month span or just over one month or so. Uh, so we'll bring that to a later date to discuss that, Lucas. What were your thoughts on last night's game? Ancelotti, very pleased with the performance. The fans liked it, I think, up until a certain point, until it was clear that we weren't going to score. And then it was like, oh, what a waste. Where are you on the spectrum? The performance was good. The performance was obviously very good. One of the best of the season, if not the best. Uh, you obviously need to to capitalize on, on those uh, chances you got. I think Vinicius... Had a very good, two very good scoring opportunities. He didn't, he didn't capitalize on those. the The last one when he tried to chip it over over Ramiro, I'm okay with. I think Ramiro made an incredible save. But there was one late in the first half when I feel like his shot was just not where where it wanted, where it uh, had to be. So obviously, not blaming an individual player in this one, but. At the end of the day, it was Vinicius who got the the best opportunity to score and, and failed to capitalize. And I feel like this this uh, this draw 
could cost Real Madrid later in the season. Obviously, Real Sociedad are a very good team, but Real Madrid did more than enough to to get the the win. On the other hand, maybe we can discuss this a little bit more. I didn't. I still thought that Real Sociedad also had a few good chances to score on their own. So maybe it wasn't that much of a dominating performance as much as most uh, journalists are saying but it definitely was exciting performance in terms of uh, offensive production and and all that so something to 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 learn from in terms of you know the playing style and what uh, gives you more opportunities to win in terms of uh, for the next few games but hopefully next few games Real Madrid can capitalize on those scoring opportunities because otherwise they, obviously it could cost them in in a few games here and there yeah i mean these no question when you face the big teams these margin of errors these misses will come costly and certainly our opponents have missed costly chances chances against us in last year's Champions League run and it cost them. And, and those are the fine margins we're talking about. You have to start scoring these chances you create. The point you brought up about journalists maybe overreacting to the performance is an interesting one. And I, I kind of agree with you. And I, I would I would put myself in the boat in a sense too, but I would also say it's it's all relative because if you put this performance where you create an XG of one point something, which is not even that much, if you put this performance where Real Madrid create chances they don't score, and you put it in like a Real Madrid from a few years ago, this would be one of our worst performances, quote unquote. You know, like mm-hmm. if you if you airdrop this into the 16-17 season, for example, no one's even noticing this. Like, oh, that was cute. We created some chances. Like, no one's gonna applaud that. I think the, <laughs> I think part of the reason why it was magnified last night was because the standards are right now a little bit lower, unfortunately. We're trying to get this team going, and in the in the within the, the the lens of looking at this current season, this was about as good as it's been for Real Madrid in terms of a from a pure performance perspective and also just a chance creation perspective. This was a different style of football that Ancelotti has implemented. It was one where you had a different set of midfielders, younger legs, a lot of energy. You had a blueprint where you were winning the ball high up the pitch. So it was a different tactical look, which did succeed in the in the if the barometer is creating more chances. It obviously did not succeed in the scoring. But I think that part of that was bad luck. And I think that's where some people are missing missing the point here. I think I think what got lost in this is because there's a little bit of a debate going on now within, within the Real Madrid fan base saying that stop looking at this game as, you know, this moral victory and stuff and, and start looking at the fact that we didn't score. This is the way I look at it. I'm looking at a different, completely different perspective. To me, football is about giving yourself the best chance to win. Last night, we gave ourselves a better chance to win than we usually do in a low block. If you, if by all means you look at this and you're saying, well, pro- forget the process. If, if you want to go back to that low block, by all means, if that's your argument, then go for it. Because I think you have to look at this and say, yeah, it sucked. We didn't score. We got to improve our finishing. But... We have to give our we have to look at it and say, well, this gave ourselves a good chance of scoring. And by the way, that little low block and the counterattacking, 
that actually is not a way for us to limit our chances. We actually concede worse chances than we did last night if we play that way, because this way we're at least limiting the amount of times we the, the opponent enters our final third, test courtois. You spoke about the chances. Most of those came in the second half. There were three or four. They weren't that clear cut, but one of them I think would have been called back for offside anyway. The other two or three luckily fell to Kubo, who kind of, despite having a really good game in front of goal, he was he wasn't he wasn't great, and, and that's kind of Kubo in a nutshell. If you've been watching him for the past few years, <laughs> yeah. But I think you have to look at this, Lucas, and say I think this, I think this is more sustainable in terms of increasing our offensive output. And certainly I would, I don't think like we got Barcelona coming up. This is all tied in. We got Barcelona coming up three times. This blueprint, I think gives us a better chance against Barcelona than the previous Supercopa final, where you don't have any of the ball. You have no confidence, no control, no momentum, and you're just leaking chances. That, that is, that is a worse blueprint against Barcelona. I think you have to look at this and, and and look at some baby steps. Be admitting the fact that we need to finish our chances, but I think you have to look at this process and and continue, continue this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I think I agree with you. I think you have to try to keep implementing this uh, this system, this playing style, this formation. I think that Ceballos has has been brilliant since given the chance to play. I think he deserves to play more. He keeps not more, but he keeps the serving to play. If you know what I mean, you know he keeps the serving to yeah. to be on the field. In fact, as a matter of fact, I, I know that he was tired last night, but I wouldn't have taken him uh, off the field. I thought the team was playing well enough. He was playing well enough to keep uh, to keep uh, trying to help the team get this goal to get this win. I didn't think Modric was an improvement in this regard. So I think that if Real Madrid want to keep uh, ha- having as many chances as they did last night, want to keep having or playing or implementing this uh, exciting playing style where, I'll, where you know it's a more uh, dynamic midfield and all that day, as we've talked about this last Thursday or Friday, I think they still have to make sure that both Cross and Modric are not on the field at the same time. And again, it hurts me saying this, but I think introducing two dynamic midfielders like Valverde Ceballos, Valverde Camavinga, Ceballos Camavinga, whatever combination you want to find with those with those particular three players, Valverde Ceballos and Camavinga, having two of them on the, on the field is what ultimately will take this team to the to the next level. I believe. I believe that the ceiling of the team is is a little bit higher when when two of these three guys are on the field rather than when both uh, Cross and Modric are on the field at the same time at this point in time. At this point in time, this is again it hurts me saying this in 2023 because both Cross and Modric are legends. But it is the way it is at the moment, and this is the way the the team is at the moment in terms of their form and their capabilities. Yeah, I saw your tweet last night that maybe you should have looked at Cruz instead of Ceballos when you brought Modric on. And I don't think it... I agree with that. And not because Cruz had a bad game. I thought Cruz played well. I think the point is, I think when you pair Modric and Cruz together... It's been problematic since I'd say yeah. about you know yeah. 2018 
or so. You can take it that far back that it was it's been gradual, it hasn't been overnight. But yeah. but these guys have both been brilliant in their own way. And I think when you saw Modric really shine in the Champions League last year, it was also when Cruz came off the field. And I think you have to look at that data and really ask yourself whether it makes sense to pair these two together because I think it kind of it hampers you. I Unless Ceballos was really, really dead last night, I think he should have stayed on the field. But he didn't look like he was slowing down. <laughs> the energy was off the charts. Just a bit for the last for his last ten minutes or so, I can I can see the point of Ceballos getting tired and getting fatigued and all that. But on the other hand, he was still contributing. He was giving his very best, and and Modric wasn't able to do that. So, or wasn't able to keep the bar at the same level. So, I don't know either Cross or or Valverde would have been fine for me to. I get the point of introducing Asensio for sure. Because you know, it's an, at the end of the day, it's another attacker. He's he has the ability to score goals from pretty much anywhere on the on the field, as, as frustrating as he's been in recent years. But I I see no I, I saw no need for for Modric last night. To be honest, I thought the midfield was completely fine. So Valverde, either Valverde or Cross, would have been my my. Substitution last night, probably even Valverde ahead of Cross. To be honest, I, I thought the game was not in this phase of Madrid needing Valverde's physical presence uh, anymore. You know, I thought Real Sociedad were parking the bus uh, late in the game, counterattacking opportunities weren't as frequent as they were for the early stages on the second half. So I think Valverde would have probably been my 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 call. To introduce Asensio in the game, I thought that he wasn't as needed as as Cross late in the game. Um, Ivalverde is another one though that was really good, and he he yeah. generated four shots for us. I, I I wouldn't have been surprised if you kept him on and he did something eventually. I do think it. One thing is clear though, is that when you look at Real Madrid's bench last night, it's pretty clear that only two players are are trusted on that bench. There's no others that are trusted. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's I know I know Mario Martin appeared against Atletico, but it was a different case. You're going into extra time. You're you're trying to really you're you're digging deep there. Odriozola, same yeah. thing. Like I, I don't I don't want Odriozola in a game like this because I think as as limited as Nacho is offensively, he is also I trust him because Real Sociedad are gonna have counterattacks. I trust him more than Odriozola in that yeah. situation. I totally get it. So I think Asensio, the way I look at it, Lucas, is that mm-hmm. no matter what, regardless of what the score was last night, Asensio and Modric are coming on, and they're the only two that are coming on. Whether you like it or not, yeah. that's the way Ancelotti, I, you, could, you, can, you can predict it. it before even the game started. You look at that bench, those are two players who are going to come on. No one else is probably going to come on unless you're up by like a lot of goals. So those are the two. And then you have to ask yourself who's coming off in that situation if you have to bring them on. All these guys were creating chances. And I you can't take Benzema off, I don't think, when you need a goal. Because I think you can, even if he's having a poor game, he can still score. Vinicius is kind of in that same mold. I think it, I think if you had to, it probably would have been Cruz. This was the one. Yeah, either Cruz or, or Valverde in my opinion. Because Ceballos was 
creating plays any, uh, everywhere on the field. I think, and he again, he's the the way he uh, interprets that position very dynamic, mm, helping the the left side at all was great. So I think I agree with the call of. Uh, introducing Ascension in, in this game because even more Rodrigo was trying to 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 play through the left flank with Vinicius Camapinga. So there were too many bodies on the on the left for for Real Sociedad to focus on that on that part. And I thought that you know Ancelotti was right trying to 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 put Asensio more on the right so that they had to focus a little bit more on that flank. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, Real Madrid, I thought. Took the foot of not voluntarily, but you know the 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 form and the momentum wasn't there as much as soon as Bayos left the field, and and Modric entered. I thought Modric's cameo didn't didn't really help the team last night. He got into two really good spots in that right half space, and like remember the one where Asensio finds him with a brilliant pass. Yeah, and he's in that position where it looks like you can't tell if he's shooting or if he's crossing. I think he was shooting, but obviously very, not very accurately. Either way, I, that was in a good position. I I still chalk yeah. this up. Like I think in most cases, you're probably you probably have scored a goal in that situation when they come on. It's a bit of a different story. That was a free game, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to you about some other stuff not related to the game, but so I just wanted to get any further thoughts on the game now that you have. Uh, let me know. Mm-hmm. Before we move on, okay. is there anything? I thought Kamavinga was great. Obviously, we're we're yeah. hitting a broken record here, uh, but um, he was uh, he was very impressive on that left flank. Obviously, I caught a few a few times out of position against Kubo, who was very hard to guard. A few times here and there, Kubo got to very good uh, scoring uh, positions, but otherwise, I thought Kamavinga contributed a lot on the on the left flank. So he was he was definitely great and one of my shouts. Uh, of this game, I think he was he's going to be the undisputed starter until Mendy comes back. And even when Mendy comes back, I think Kamavinga probably deserves a spot as a as a midfielder uh, going forward. I think he's earning his posi- his minutes and his position as much as as the Bios is. I I see no point of taking in any of these two out of uh, out of the team uh, right now. No no matter the opposition, no matter the opponents. I think both of them should be ahead of. Uh, as crazy as it as this sounds, should be ahead of Kroos, Modric, and probably even Valverde in the in the rotation. So, Ancelotti will have an interesting task ahead when when Tuameni and uh, returns to the squad, and he needs to to make sure that everyone stays uh, satisfied and with his role because it won't be easy to find minutes for everyone. I do think, though, whatever. Whatever the case, and all that stuff mm-hmm. is true. If this was last season, I think Ceballos probably would have just disappeared into the dust and Kamavinga would have taken a further backseat too when Chiumani and Mendy come back. I think it's different this year. I think Ancelotti has probably changed his opinion on those two players. I, it's not that I don't think he ever didn't trust them, but the trust he's earned from those two now is a lot different than it was last year. So I just feel like, listen, man, if, if we go to Anfield, if we go to the Camp No, even the first leg at the Bernabeu. By the way, the first leg at the Bernabeu, I don't know when the last time that happened was. Kind of sad yeah. that we don't get the second <laughs> leg at the Bernabeu. 
Yeah. Can't drop Kamavinga in any of those games. Or no. even you could even argue Ceballos. Yeah. Based same, on same. based on merit, it's it's really hard to do that right now. What absolutely, absolutely. It would be extremely unfair and it would be <clears throat> to be honest, it would not send a positive message to the rest of the team. Because everyone on the team is like everyone around the team, like us, journalists, fans, media members, all of them are seeing that, you know, these guys are in their minutes, but also the players. The players inside the dressing room know that these guys have been earning their minutes. So it would not send a positive message to, to the rest of the team if they were to be benched at Anfield or against Barcelona. I'm not talking about giving them the chance to rotate and rest. Obviously, I'm talking about, you know, the big game comes. First leg against Liverpool. <clears throat> excuse me. First leg against Barcelona. These guys have to play because obviously you have to consider that the that the, the tie against Barcelona is going to be a priority and Ancelotti is not going to rotate his squad there. So I think that uh, it will not send a positive message, a positive vibe. Uh, to send uh, these two guys to the bench the way they're playing right now and the way they've played and earned their minutes and helped Real Madrid at the toughest times, really. Like, these these two guys have been, if not the main reason, one of the m- mainest reasons to uh, be behind Real Madrid's uh, resurgence when when they were knocked down against Villarreal already. Like, Ancelotti's future was uh, in question. He was in the hot seat to, uh, when when Real Madrid were losing against Villarreal in the Copa del Rey. And it, it was obviously Ceballos and, and players like Ceballos and Camavinga, those two who helped Real Madrid when when in the, in the toughest times, in the toughest period they've faced so far this season. So it would be extremely unfair to drop them, yeah. Um, I agree. We'll see what happens, and uh, I'm curious to to monitor it. I wanted to ask you about this Cancelo thing. Yeah, <laughs> this came out of nowhere today. Apparently, after uh, some kind of heated something, heated scuffle between him and Pep in training, that seemed to have stemmed from him being told he's not starting in a game. Mm-hmm. So I have many, many questions in my head just or to the universe about like how what is happening how is he going to Bayern all of a sudden when we woke up, woke up today where do you stand on we'll start with the Real Madrid related side of this in in fact there is no really Real Madrid related side to this because Real Madrid are not signing him nor have they seemed to have expressed an interest in signing him but it's more of a theoretical should Real Madrid have been involved in this Zao, no question. No question. He can play both flanks. He's still young. I don't know. The only negative side I can I can find about him is probably his salary. Well, and maybe his attitude. Just alone. In terms of... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just alone, but I have to assume that... Uh, how much was the, the, the option? 62 or something like that, right? I can't remember, but it's... Uh, I don't think it's a... Uh... I don't think it's a uh, it's a buyback option. Yeah, yeah, right? they, it's not a forced buyback. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's a uh, it's a uh, it's not mandatory. It's not forced, but uh, that's what I mean. Again, yeah. the, if it's if it's 60, if it's in the range of sixty million, which is I what was reported initially, 
It's, uh, I have to assume that Bayern will will execute it unless you know he's right. not informed during this next six, six months or whatever. I think Cancelo has been phenomenal for the last few years. Credit to Guardiola for finding a player or for molding uh, Cancelo to be this player. Obviously, <clears throat> Cancelo's attitude might not have been ideal, and this is why City ultimately decided to 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 send him alone. But Real Madrid have a player. I uh, have a coach, sorry, whose main uh, attribute, whose main expertise, if you will, is to keep the atmosphere inside the dressing room in a good state. So I have to assume that he will not have any kind of problems with Cancelo, mainly because Cancelo should not have any problem in Real Madrid because because he will start right on, like right ahead. He will be an undisputed starter in Madrid, in my opinion, no question, no question, no like. He, to be honest, that Real Madrid's right flank is that poor and that mediocre at the moment that Cancelo would be an, undis- an undisputed starter there. And he can also play on the left. So, hands down, no question, 100%. They should have been involved, no question. I'm I'm always curious in these things because this one happens so quickly. Like, what's the method? You know, what's the, what's the process? Because, okay, Cancelo... Gets angry, he wants to leave. Does he does he say I want to go to Bayern? Call Bayern specifically. Did they put out a feeler a, to his agent? I guess his agent, yeah, puts out a feeler to different clubs. Bayern, mind you, have. Um, I don't think Pavard's going to stay long term, and quite frankly, I, I don't even think Pavard is that good. I, I think in, in in a lot of ways he's overrated. Um, Mazraoui is injured, right? They, so yeah. there are there are actually a, a realistic landing spot and a team that's big. Does the agent give Real Madrid a call in this scenario? Is it done before even Real Madrid know about it? Curious. His agent is Jorge Mendes. Real Madrid don't get yeah. along with Jorge Mendes anymore. Yeah. You know this ban, this Real Madrid ban on specific agents. Like uh, Mendes, Rayola, and so on. Come, these guys. It's not officially a ban, obviously, but we know that they don't enter. They don't like. They're not keen on the idea on signing players from these uh, offices. And to me, it makes no sense. Like I well, get, doesn't it? I mean, Asensio not- has Mendes now too, so it's not like the relationship yeah, is non-existent. <clears throat> But he was here, essentially was here when he signed Mendes. Yeah. When he signed for Mendes. Like, he was already here and then changed his agent, his lifelong agent, Horacio Gaglioli, for for Mendes, like, last year or so, as soon as he saw that his contract was going to expire. So, like, Real Madrid were forced to have a relationship with with Mendes in this regard. It's not like they went after a Mendes player when, you know, they have to pay Mendes a fee and anything like that. So, it's not entirely comparable in my opinion so they're they're refusing to sign players from these offices when i believe that you know there are world-class caliber players playing for for well represented by mendes and and also by by rayola you know cancelo is an example obviously halan is a great example um rayola's office obviously rayola passed away uh, rest in peace and all that but you know, Haaland is from Rayola's office. So, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm just pointing. I'm just uh, throwing this out there. I don't even know if Real Madrid were informed of this matter. I don't even know if Mendes gave them a call. I don't even know if Real Madrid said no because of Mendes. It's just, but it may. It makes me wonder. It may, like the move makes so much sense that to me, like I, if Real Madrid just didn't even think about it and said no. It would be extremely, extremely, extremely disappointed because he would be a perfect fit for for this current squad right now. I'm just going to bring up the counter, or the devil's advocate, the counter arguments. I I don't necessarily agree with them, but I think these these are the way. If if that scenario happened and Bram just answered the phone and they said no, this is what their thought process is going to be. Because I agree with you, he would start. They. They're worried about the amount of contracts that they have at the back line. You and I discussed that. They're worried about his attitude. If you have a bust up with Pep in the middle of the season, just like that, and you're angry because you got dropped, you know, may not be a great, great omen for what that happens to the team chemistry in your own locker room and what he might, what the damage he might do here. They're worried about how Carvajal would react to getting dropped as the first choice right back. These are these are just what probably goes through their head. I don't agree with them necessarily. The attitude one does concern me a little bit. If he's complaining about not cracking cities 11, obviously he's not coming here to sit on the bench either. And not, nor do I think he should. So that's that's not a big deal to me. It wouldn't. I also would do it because it's it's a not a long-term commitment. It's a half a season loan. Maybe he needs a change of scenery. Maybe he likes it here. Maybe he just improves our fullback situation so much and he's a part of it. He's happy, we're happy, and then maybe you end up renewing him. Or if it doesn't work out, then try it out. Part ways, thank you. Didn't work, see you later. Like what's the worst thing? Risk. No, no, no. What's the worst case scenario here? Even if he creates this turmoil, this controversy, and it looks like you know the whole uh, earth is going to collapse because of his presence and because he's not happy about being here and all that. Imagine this is. I'm talking about the worst case scenario here. Yeah. Real Madrid lose the season. That's the only. That's the only bad thing that could happen. Real I think if lose you lose a season with Cancelo, you're going to lose it anyway. Exactly. That and this is this is what I was bringing the point up because <laughs> the worst case, like it's a very realistic thing that Real Madrid might might uh, end the season without a trophy. Uh, the odds can be debatable, but you know, five points behind, but it's obviously a long way to go. And Real Madrid is still, but the worst case scenario is not that far away from being a realistic scenario without him. You know, without him, Real Madrid are in trouble because of the of the fullback situation, in deep trouble, right? Right now, and they will be in trouble for the next six months if they, and they will be in trouble for the next year or so if they don't address the situation in the summer. Like they're in trouble. So not signing anyone for these spots put Real Madrid in a difficult situation. And already. And if you sign Cancelo and everything goes wrong, 
you lose the season. That's it. And you and the the only thing you need to do in the summer is find another right back or another left back who is actually a better fit for the team than Cancelo. This is the worst case scenario here, right? Risk is so low, so ridiculously low, because again, he would be starting here like he he would be starting here. Like I see no fuss, no controversy about, about it. Even when like Ancelotti's in charge, he's not he would not be a problem. I'm quite sure. So risk was so low that it's ridiculous to me to, that Real Madrid didn't even entertain the idea. I just hope that Bayern's offer was better. This is my my the only thing I can I can cope with or, or that can help me help me cope with this situation right now is if Bayern's offer was a little bit better. It's just the way it is. If there even was an offer and not just you assume his salary and that's it. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is up. Salary is a problem. I get it. I think he earns like 14 million. It's obviously a very high salary for, for Real Madrid's uh, current uh, structure. But on the other hand, you have many players here earning close to that, Hazard earning twice as much, who are not even contributing. I get adding 14 million to the salary books is not ideal. But here's, you know, you would be adding them for a player who would be starting week in and week out, in my opinion. So I don't know this whole this whole idea. Uh, I find it nuts. I find it crazy that Bayern were able to finalize and complete such a easy deal and manageable and low risk deal for them. Because I'm, to be honest, I'm quite jealous. I'm quite envious of of the of the deal Bayern made for for Cancelo. I just he would be such a perfect fit that it drives me crazy to not to see the Real Madrid getting involved in this situation. What is the actual worst case scenario? Without him or with him? With him, Cancelo and up- lose the season. You know, it's like no, like worse, worse. It's you. He comes in. He's got an ego. He starts over Carvajal. Carvajal starts being passive aggressive in training. He goes in pretty hard. They bust up. They end up punching each other. Season implodes. He hurts Vinicius. <laughs> it's hard to see how bad it could get for a lower risk thing like that. I've heard. Pe- I've heard a lot of people say. Well, look at all the options we have at right back. Carvajal, Vasquez, Nacho, Rudiger, Militao, Odriozola, Vinicius, Tobias. It's like... None of them are better than Cancelo. No. No. It's like, oh, but look at like... Should we really buy a Ferrari if we have a garage full of Mazdas? Yeah. Get the Ferrari. (laughs) You're Real Madrid, yes. Yes. And I'm not sure if uh, those options qualify as as Mazdas for the right back spot. Rudiger and Militao are fine players, but are they Mazdas for the right back spot? Maybe my taste is a little bit, you know, maybe they're. I think they're. I, I think they're. I think they're bicycles for the right back slot, and then, <laughs> but for the center back slot, they're like the Ferraris. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> um. Yeah, I, I, w- I was just curious to get your thoughts on Cancelo. It's a, it happened so quick and out of nowhere. 
he's a player I think would have been pretty interesting in terms of someone that could actually really, really help turn your season from a pure talent standpoint. And I, I do value the leadership thing, by the way, just to make that clear. I think it's really important. I think you really, really have to look at the personalities that you bring into the squad. And I'm not that familiar about what's happening in Manchester City, you know, to, to know if he's just has a shit attitude or, 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 or maybe he needed a change of scenery, but as a rental, Someone that could help you in this run, I think it would have been would have been worth a shot. Yeah, absolutely. And the same, I I have similar feelings about Malo Gusto, by the way. Thirty five million are peanuts. Yeah, and, I'm not and saying that's, Malo Gusto yeah. is Cafu. I'm not no. saying Malo Gusto is Cafu, but thirty five million are peanuts. You know, <laughs> losing on a player like that to a club like Chelsea, who is competing, maybe not exactly head to head with you for the Champions League, but. You know, they're a quality club, no question. So losing a player, a, a, a decent prospect, decent talent for the right back spot for 35 million, which is peanuts again, it's what you spend on Odriozola, for God's sake. It's, it's exactly what you spend on Odriozola. And <clears throat> I don't know, losing, when you're in such a desperate position like Real Madrid on this. Uh, uh, with the right back spot and also the left back spot, maybe the left back not as desperate, but you know what I'm saying. When when you're in such a desperate position for the for the right back spot, losing two appealing targets in an, a single weekend, it's frustrating to watch, man. It's just frustrating to watch because both Malogusto and Cancelo were decent targets, very good market opportunities, very, very like very, very good market opportunities. Like I'm not talking about losing on 70 million players. Maybe I can, I can see the point of saying no to those, but really, really good market opportunities, Cancelo and, and Malogusto for 35 million. So losing both of them in a span of like two to three days is, is frustrating to watch. Yeah, and th that kind of puts to bed also this idea, oh, Cancelo would have been a risk with his salary and his attitude. The, the monetary risk value with this one was also put to bed because it wasn't, you had even lower risk things that you could have done that would have helped, like Fran Garcia, like Malagusto, which you also ignored. So it's it's a lot deeper than even, I don't, I, oh. I, I, don't, I, I honestly would be shocked if Ram just thought about it as deeply as you and I did right now on this podcast. I think it was more no, of a no just way. quick no. I think I don't yeah, even think they absolutely. had a roundtable discussion. I agree. I agree with you. And people keep saying and people keep bringing up the Cancelo's 14 million, but he has 14 million in a year. He was going to stay here for six months. Yeah. So it would it would cost the team only 7 million. It's not. It's not the same. Obviously, you know the the salary is the same on a weekly basis, and but you know it's not like Real Madrid are going to pay to pay him fourteen million because it would only you know you would only take him for six months and you split the salary with Manchester City who have already paid him uh, half to to play for them half this season. So you would only it would only cost you like seven million or so. It's uh, I don't know. I don't. I just don't get it. Losing this to drive drove me crazy for the for the last few days because those two were great market opportunities and I'm not saying neither of those were Cafu, but you know they were definitely better players. I think that what you have at the moment for that spot. No, yeah, Malogusto is a good player. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not Cafu, but he's also not 
uh, Carlos Diogo. He's he's a good player. His, Thirty-five million is peanuts. Yeah, I if I, if I had to guess, you'd probably his contract Cancelo's contract expires twenty twenty-seven. If I had to guess, you probably wouldn't renew him even if all things go well because of his salary. And maybe the club also again. I don't even think they thought that deeply about it, but but maybe they looked at. But again, you're not committed to it, so who cares? Just try it. Anyways, um, have to wrap it up here, Lucas. Yes, sir. Um, and for our listeners' sake, just so you know, I think our next two podcasts will be over on Patreon.com/slash Managing Madrid because we're gonna do. I don't know if we'll do anything on Tuesday or Wednesday, but on Thursday we are doing the post game show uh, for the. Is that Valencia we're playing? Yeah, Brazil from the 70s. Yeah, Brazil's <laughs> 1970s on Thursday. We're doing a post-game show on patreon.com slash managing And then Friday and I, I ask you this off air, but I think we'll do mailbag on Friday yeah. this week again because the, the game is on Thursday. So those two podcasts will be on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Lucas, thanks for your time, my friend. It was fun chatting. Thank we'll you, yeah, no soon. problem. Yes, sir. Take care. Peace. All right, you too. Thanks for listening. And before we wrap it up here, we wanted to give a quick shout out to our patrons over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid and specifically to our $10 plus patrons, because if you pledge $10 or more per month, you not only get access to everything and not only get guaranteed responses to your questions, you also get a specific shout out at the podcast. So shout out to our $10 plus patrons as follows. Brandon Alvarez. Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Wei Pering, Tobias Royal Bacher, Talab Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sushank Damala, Sujai Wani, Sumanchu Singh, Sheikh Hatiri, Shamil, Sergio Arispe, Santos Solorsano, Samuel Justin, Samar Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, uh, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odayafari, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Moeller, Nick Ribeiro, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Savernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Khan P, Christian Toth, Krishna Costa, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Arnab Mukherjee, Armand Gashi, Armando L, Anirudh Singh, Ananya Kumar, Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adar Zalukovic, Adam Dorsey, Varun, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. We love you guys so much. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks for being a part of this family. And Hala Marid.